Two mice fell into a bucket of cream. Here's two guys that fell into a radio station to talk about movies on Phoenix FM. Okay, so it's Saturday afternoons. We know what that means. Mr. Mark Searby is with us. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Spencer. Are you okay? Yes, not bad. How's your week been? You okay? Yeah, not too bad, actually. Not too bad at all. Busy. Um, but that's because there's a film out this week that has garnered all of the press everywhere. So I've been lapping it up because it's been quite a few years since we've seen this guy in this outfit, isn't it? Well, it is. It is. What film are we talking about? Indiana Jones of and the Dial are, yes. of Destiny. Well, that that's the new one. I mean, Obviously, I know this is a silly question, really, and I shouldn't ask you it, Spencer, but I'm going to. Um, in terms of the Indiana Jones movies that are already out there, not talking about Dollar Destiny, um, favourite one? Um, I have to say always Temple of Doom for me. Always Temple of Doom. Same, same. I think, I think it's because I grew up with that and it was on TV all the time and... It's a little bit funny. It, I mean, all the Indiana Jones movies are a little bit funny as well, but this one had got a bit more tongue-in-cheek. There was a little bit of a horror element to it as well, which, yes, we saw in Raiders with the, the melting of the guy's face, but not as much as Temple of Doom, I didn't think. And the the relationships in Temple of Doom between Indy and Short Round, it, it's, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. It really I, 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 I loved Raiders, but, but I... Th- Temple of Doom went up another level for me because it was a it allowed itself to relax and enjoy it. It you, it, let, it enjoyed itself more. Does that make sense? It was kind yeah. of a full Ra- Raiders felt really really tight and really clever, but it took it was a little bit for me a little bit too serious. It's a bit like going off on a tangent with the analogy with the James Bond films. I know everyone raves about Sean Connery and rightly so. My favorite James Bond was Roger Moore because. He was that slightly funny camp element to it that really made me laugh, and it was kind yeah. of it, it. They seemed to enjoy it a bit more. I and think that's where I think with Temple of Doom. That's a fair point, actually. I think because Raiders was the first out the gate, they were going for let's be a bit serious, um, but we still want to have a great action adventure. So you know, you're talking about eighty one yeah. with Raiders, and then three years later, Temple of Doom, where they went, well, the, look, it, Raiders was so well received. Let's dial it up a notch. Let's have a bit more fun. Let's have a bit more entertainment. And that worked as well. And then you're talking about another five years before Last Crusade, which just, I mean, it did the same thing, but you had an extra element of Sean Connery in there. And that was much fun as well. Like it was a proper family relative. And you were just like, they worked so well together that I think you've got that trilogy of movies there where you go, you could watch any of those and have a great time. So the new film, how does it does it fit in nicely? Is it a disappointment? Does it meet every expectation? <laughs> well, loads of people are waiting on that. Um, well, the thing is, actually, you know, this is ultimately the last crack of the whip for Mr. Ford in the role, I yep. think. Um, yep. Thankfully, there isn't a fridge in sight. That's a crystal skull in joke there for people who have... <laughs> Seeing Crystal Skull. Sorry about that. Um, That's all you need when a bo- all you need when a nuclear bomb goes off. Yes, exactly. Hide in the fridge. Hide in the fridge. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So there's not a fridge in sight, and it means that basically we are back to the you know that original trilogy, Crystal Skull. What Crystal Skull? Can't remember it at all. And we're back to lots of fun, which is you know, it's a blessed relief because I realised about an hour into watching this movie 
that we've got a proper Indiana Jones movie like back in the day, you know, ones that we've all been waiting for since the flop that was Crystal Skull. The way that they deal with Indy's aging years, I think, is done really well. It makes for some really good little in-jokes at his expense as well. However, I mean, Dr. Jones still has a damn good go at the running and jumping stuff. And, you know, he absolutely nails it. This is the thing. Some people turn around and go, well, it's his stunt double. Yeah, sure. But at times you can see it's Harrison Ford. And it's great. It's nice to see. It's it's proper Indiana Jones. You know, it's, it's classic Indiana Jones. It's, it's so pleasing to see when you get something like that. But the thing is, I mean, the film is basically a new story, but a carbon copy of all the Indiana Jones tropes that we all love. So you could look at it as a bit of a fan service. And yes, there is a lot of fan service in here as well. However, when you've got Indy cracking the whip or making a sarcastic comment or traveling by map, then really none of that matters because you just know you are in for a rollicking good time. And that's what you get here. So the bits that you go, and it's a bit fancy, doesn't matter because it's done with so much love and so much care, unlike in Crystal Skull. I know I keep referring back to it. I try not to mention it anymore. Um, this one understands it, but also it pushes it forward as well. That's the thing. So with the Dial of Destiny storyline, I found it actually pretty easy to follow. You know, I love that there are true stories or supposedly true stories behind everything that we get in the Indiana Jones movies, but the way they're told in the film are are done. So even those who didn't study archaeology can still understand what they're after and why. So basically, you know, it's kind of like archaeology 101, really. um, And it's history and it's science within an adventure movie. And then you've got the action as well. Oh, the action. Three really good action set pieces in this um i would say probably the best of the lot is there's a tuk-tuk chase about halfway through the movie that goes through the streets and it's it's exhilarating it's wildly entertaining um it also helps that indiana jones is taking a verbal battering from his niece helena shaw as well while she's driving this tuk-tuk so it's all going on and that's the great thing about it um, is that Phoebe, is that Phoebe Waller Bridge's character? It is, yeah, absolutely. Phoebe Waller Bridge okay, yeah. mentioned her there actually because the interaction between them two, I think, makes the film really. You know, it's it's nice to have the action, it's nice to have Indiana Jones back, but when you've got that generational push and pull attitudes between them, it makes it funnier because this is now set in the 1960s. Um, so they bark and they bicker at each other. And I just think Ford and Waller Bridge had a really good time making this together. I could have watched them to argue for the entire runtime of the film because they played off each other so well. And it wouldn't surprise me, actually, if some of those some of those lines weren't in the original script. And James Mangold, the director, just said, look, just just ad lib it. Just ad lib it. You've clearly got chemistry together. And I like that about it. It's it was entertaining to watch just on a basic dialogue level as well. I like that about it. I did say, obviously, they're, you know, r- watching it for the entire runtime. Uh, the runtime is two hours, 34 minutes. It's a long movie. I mean, some people say it's not a long movie, combat, but, you know, blockbuster wise, it's a pretty long movie. It doesn't need to be two hours and 34 minutes. I think there's easily one section of the story that could be, edited away i'm not going to mention which one because that would be a spoiler um so you could take that away also the cgi it's not great in certain places it's right 
it's not nice to look at a couple of times. I sat there going, oh, no, 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 no. You can really tell that this is digitally done afterwards. So that's a bit of a disappointment, I thought, considering everything else going on around. It's actually really good. So beyond that, beyond the fact that, yes, it is too long, it's th- this movie is basically what every single Indiana Jones fan wants it to do. It's an action-adventure movie like the original trilogy without losing sight of the fact that Indiana Jones is... I keep saying Indiana Jones. The dog was Indiana. Of course, the dog was Indiana. Uh, Dr. Henry uh, Jones was, um, you know, he's back, but he's older now and he hasn't lost sight of that. The story hasn't lost sight of that as well. So I came away going, you know what? This is exactly what I wanted it to do. I wanted to go into the cinema, have a huge amount of fun with the film. And if this is Dr. Jones's last outing, I think he's gone out in a big, big way. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah, because, it, you know, you take for it to fall at the final hurdle, wouldn't you? And it's kind of like, you know, not fulfilled with the kind of legacy of everything that's gone before it. So well, it sounds amazing. I was so I'm so pleased to hear that because, as I said, Joe, I'm this is one of my standout films I'm looking forward to this year. Mm, and yep. I, I I just had that nagging doubt of, oh, please don't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't spoil it. You know, don't well, spoil it. It's just. Yeah. You mentioned there, obviously, the, the ending. Now, I've seen a few other film critics mention the ending and how it's not that great. I'm trying to be spoiler free here and I will do it. Um, I just kind of went with it. Really, I just kind of went, yeah, okay, sure. But at the same time, because I'd already had two hours, 10 minutes of proper Indiana Jones, the last bit, I was kind of like, just go with it. It doesn't last that long. Yeah, Yeah. it didn't. You know, we could probably analyze it for a long, long time, and maybe we will years later. But at the same time, I kind of just thought, you know what? Just let it be. It's perfectly fine. It'll do the job. I'm sure some people have a go at it, but I just kind of went, yeah, okay, no worries. Fine, I'll just let it go. Because... I'd had so much fun beforehand that 10 minutes of something that maybe won't work for some people, but maybe will for others. I can let it pass. Well, listen, that sounds superb. I mean, and I'm so pleased. As I said, I really uh, (laughs) cannot wait. Right. So we, a lot to live up to with the next one. What's next off the rank? Well, it's, um, it's a strange week this week, really Spencer, because Indiana Jones is obviously taking, all of the screens everywhere it seems but there are other movies out there so um a small uh, a small documentary that's out now actually in cinemas as well is called hello bookstore and it is in the shadow of the pandemic a small town rallies to protect a beloved local bookstore now obviously there are hundreds if not millions if not billions of businesses that struggled through and probably didn't end up making it because of closures in 2020, 2021, because of the pandemic. You know, there are there are millions of stories worldwide, just like the one that's being told here. So what kind of makes this one special is probably what some people ask. Well, the, the answer really is nothing that special, apart from the fact that it shows how little independents, whether they're bookstores or whether they're other shops or whatever else, are the life and soul of small towns, not just in the US, which is where this is based, but around the world. So while there might not be a direct connection to this bookstore where you're going, I've never heard of this bookstore, it doesn't matter. You could see it as a marker for another store that you love that went through hard times a couple of years ago or is probably still going through hard times as well. So you've got that, which you can have at the back of your mind. It's relatable, yeah. It is relatable, yes, absolutely. 
the film itself, the documentary itself, I think is both engaging and unengaging as well. Part of the reason for that is the design of the documentary itself. So it establishes what the bookstore is, where it's based and who runs it. Matthew Tenenbaum is his name, and I'll come to him in a minute, actually. But for now, it's about how the documentary is laid out. It spends a long time showing what the store was like before the pandemic hit. And I think it spends a little bit too long on this. You know, almost half the documentary is given over to showing the store in full swing. And there's a party tonight and we've got guest speakers and all of that. And while it's nice to see half the documentary, I think, is a bit too much. Then it's interspersed with scenes from when the store was open during the pandemic and how Matthew Tenenbaum had to adapt to still selling books, but without the store actually being open. So it was open, but you couldn't go in. Now, to me, that's where the documentary got interesting. You know, how does an owner adapt to something that none of us have ever seen before at all, but needs to carry on to survive? And it, it kind of I was fascinated by what was happening, basically. And, and towards the end, it shows him setting up a GoFundMe page to ensure the survival of the store. But all of this, the most interesting bits, is still all second to showing the bookstore before the pandemic. It's it's too focused on 2019. And I don't think enough on 2020, 2021, which was really disappointing because I, I wanted to know more. I was more interested on how he was dealing with certain things. But it wants to show 2019 far too much here. So, Michael, as I said, uh, Matthew Tenenbaum, he, I mean, he is, um, he likes to talk is the best way I can describe it. He likes to tell every single person his life story. He's also a cracking book salesman. And I mean, I watched this documentary and I was like, if I was in there, I would have bought all those books that he recommended to me. He really knows it. But that's because he loves the box. He loves books. We even get like a little history of when he first started working in a bookshop. And I love that about the documentary, you know, seeing somebody who loves their work, even in later years, he's coming up to retirement age. And even in later years, he's still out there telling people, well, if you like this, you should check this out as well. That to me, another entertaining part of the documentary, just the guy himself was was really entertaining. And I would have liked to have seen just a bit more around him as well, possibly just just him milling about. Um, but you know, the, I think unfortunately the the, the almost sidelining of the shop struggles until too late in the runtime doesn't do what this documentary sets out to do, which is basically show how bad it was for many and how some were saved by the generosity of friends and family and the general public who wanted them to survive, which it does show in this documentary, but I just wish it had done so much more. So it's an okay documentary, but there's so much that I feel was was probably cut away that could have been included and, and, and other bits taken out, which is a bit of a shame, but I was still kind of intrigued. As I said, it's worth seeing just for Matthew Tenenbaum because he, he's got some stories, some real stories that when he's telling people in the shop, even they're shocked. I was watching. I was like, how how is this even a story? Like, why hasn't he written an autobiography? He's got some yeah, real stories yeah. to tell. A proper raconteur. Which, um, you know, when you find a real raconteur, 
their their enthusiasm and their joy for what they're talking or they could actually they could be talking about anything can't they but that they relate in such a way that you're just hooked in no matter what the subject matter is yeah and it's just it's just unreal yeah that's the thing and when he's talking about books whether you like reading books or whether you don't it, it doesn't matter he's got stories around books he's got stories around authors he's got stories around famous people who have come into the store and all of that and he knows how to talk to people. I think that's the most important thing is he knows how to talk to individual people, whether they're from the town or whether they're there visiting on holiday or, or what. So it is worth watching just for this guy because he's got stories, plenty, plenty of stories. I shall add that to the list. Thank you very much, sir. And finally, what's the last cab off the rank? What well, delight as... are we ending with this week? <laughs> oh, as I said to you last week, Spencer... <laughs> We, we've got a film with an absolutely cracking title. It is Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Um, I've asked you... a couple of people if, if they've heard of it, and they just stared at me. <laughs> they, just, <laughs> right. they just stared. <laughs> right. Okay. So, I mean, have you seen anything about this at all? Do you know what? I haven't. I haven't. Right. I just, literally, when you said last week, it was the first time I heard of it. Okay. I deliberately haven't, haven't looked up anything because I want to be surprised today. Okay. I just mentioned it. A couple of people said to me, what, what are you reviewing next week? And I said, I didn't go into full detail, but I said, oh, we're reviewing this. And they were like, what's that? And I'm like, I've no idea. But it just sounds <laughs> excited. <laughs> okay, right. I'm going to sell this to you because I, I sold it to virtually everybody else. Anyway, so I'm going to sell this to you then, Spencer. So Marcel is a mollusk, okay? He's trying to find his family. During this time, he lives in a, a house which is then rented out to a filmmaker who helps Marcel try and track down his family. So it's a documentary all shot on handheld camera, but it's a fake documentary as well. Because, I mean, obviously you haven't got a talking mollusk, you know, a shell that talks. I mean, come on, let's be real. But it doesn't matter because it feels so real. Within two minutes... I can guarantee you'll think Marcel is real and you'll want to go to the house and visit Marcel. And that's because of the humility that Marcel has. He is adorable. He's hilarious. He's very shy at first, but he's also quite energetic. And he's got, got like a million other things going on as well, all rolled into this shell. And he's got one eye on the shell as well. So he can see it's like a googly eye. Um, he's got two legs with added pink shoes they're pink shoes not different colors um it's I, honestly it's just beautiful it's such a delightful central character to hang an entire film around and the thing is we've never met marcel before here in the uk i mean some people might have seen him um on youtube because it was originally a short series on youtube but we don't, it was big in the us it wasn't big here so the film kind of has to introduce marcel to us without really introducing him as going, here's Marcel, it does this, it does this, and it does this, um, and here he is doing this. But it does it in such a way that basically at the start of the movie, it shows us a day in the life of Marcel. So what he's doing to survive in this house. And then you get a better sense of who he is. So the opening of the film is very quick, and you do need to keep up because, well, much like Marcel's constant questions, it doesn't stop. It's on to the next question, on to the next question. Marcel's on to the next thing, and the next thing, and the next thing. However, after about 20 minutes, the film does kind of slow down. And that's when it's explained that Marcel is seeking his family, the family that he lost when they moved away 
and he didn't. Now, this is where Dean, who uh, is the filmmaker, he's also actually the uh, the co-creator of this, of Marcel as well. Um, he comes into his own by actually filming Marcel, talking to camera, and then uploading these little snippets to the internet. And from there, the, basically, he explodes. He goes viral, and the world goes crazy for Marcel. And then Marcel starts to discover the highs and lows of being famous. Now, I'm not going to say too much more, Spencer, because I don't want to ruin other bits, you know, the, the highs and the lows, the emotional moments in there. But how am I getting to you so far? Like, is that something where you're going, I don't even know what this movie is? Or are you going, huh, okay, a talking show? No, I, I'm really interested. And I would just, as you were talking, I was just thinking, I'd love to have seen the creative process behind this. So when they were mulling about the kind of the concepts as like, you, you know, what it just sounds absolutely bonkers but fascinating yeah well okay so the thing what this film is doing i'll tell you a bit more now is basically telling you a story about how marcel who is a shell i've got to keep reminding you of this one as well he's a shell he's having an existential crisis about his life and about his loves as well so that's some seriously heavy subject matter in what looks on the surface to be a delightful stop-motion character movie. But the way that this film tells this existential story is done in a couple of ways. It, it does it with such joy that you really don't notice how intelligent this film is being when telling Marcel's story about his struggles. So you've got that. Then you've got the idea that afterwards, after you watch it, you realise, hang on, the whole thing is an allegory for humans in general. You know, replace Marcel with almost any human, and the same story will be told. It's no different. So you look at it and you go, well, it's a shell. I cannot connect to it. But actually you can directly because you think, if my family moved away, but I didn't know, you would be constantly worried. This is what Marcel is going through. He's struggling. He doesn't know how to deal with these things. And thankfully, he's got Dean, who's the filmmaker, to sort of help him through it. And that's where they become friends as well. So it's it, this movie is working on so many levels and yet on the outside of it, it looks like it's just a comedy, a stop motion comedy about a shell. And yet you watch it and you will tear up because it gets emotional. You will laugh a lot as well uh, because it is really funny. I mean, Marcel is super funny. Marcel's um, grandma is really funny as well. It, all of the interactions are just so much fun. I wasn't expecting to be so affected by Marcel and his story. But I think that's because, as I said, the story connects on such a basic human level that anyone and, and everyone will be affected by it. And that, to me, that's brilliant storytelling where you just go, how have they managed to do this? And it's done it such great storytelling with wonderful animation. Absolutely wonderful. So basically, Marcel is stop motion, but the rest of it is is you know real world so they've had to put him in there and, and do the stop motion it's it's honestly i can't it's so difficult to without giving spoilers away and whatever else and also trying to do marcel's voice when you hear marcel's voice you'll just absolutely die because it's it's squeaky it's a little bit like a chipmunk but maybe one down from it but it's it's softer because it's actually voiced by jenny slate who actually was also the co-creator of marcel as well um 
it's just a delightful voice. And Marcel has now gone on to infamy, basically, just on that voice, what Jenny Slate has. So this is this is a genuine delight for the entire family. You will not go wrong with this movie. For me, it is still, and I said this when I reviewed it in the cinema earlier this year, for me, I've seen it three times now, it's still one of the best films of the year. Wow. Wow. It sounds utterly delightful. It really does. It really, really does. And you're going to need your tissues, it, Spencer. If you watch it, you will you will need those tissues. I can guarantee you. And you'll go, why? Why would I cry at a movie about a shell? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, I, I think I, I, I messaged you the weekend, didn't I? When Because, um, you know, on your recommendation, I watched Champions mm. that we talked about a, couple, a few weeks ago. And I was like, this won't get me. I won't be moved by this. Oh, my God, the end of it. I was like, don't <laughs> leave. Don't leave. <laughs> It was like ridiculous. That's the thing is that, you know, we're of an age now, me and you, Spencer, where we go, I'm not going to tear up. I'm not going to, oh, I've teared up 10 minutes in. Oh, I can't believe it. So if you teared up at Champions, which, you know, we can absolutely say it's such a good film. You enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. We liked that movie a lot. You will tear up a lot at Marcel, but in a good way, in a really, really good way. Love that. Love that. Well, listen, thank you so much. There's some great recommendations. I'm really excited about Indiana. Really am. So thank you so much. And um, yeah, what can we look forward to? Have you got next week sorted yet? Or is it a surprise? Or No, no, we're all sorted for next week. So next week, we've got a new Pixar movie called Elemental. Um, so that's a, an animated movie. Then we've also got a documentary. Netflix have done a documentary about Wham! George Michael, yeah. Andrew Richards. Yes, I- I know. And um, I'm hoping they'll feature in the, the final concert they did because I was at that in, in 86. Was you? I was at that. I was. <laughs> I was. It was, the ho- it was the hottest day of the year. I remember it. I'm sure it was June time from memory. And um, Elton John come on dressed as Donald Duck. <laughs> yep. And it, it was um, obviously being a boy of the eighties. Wham! Were the, one of the big bands, and uh, yeah. And one of my friends' mum, one of my friends was going at the time, and his mum and dad were taking him. And they said, "Would you like to come with us?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And I, I remember it as clear, absolutely crystal clear, exactly the whole day. It, it was so hot, and it was the most amazing show. It oh, really was. so you're super excited for this documentary, then, basically, because like you would, like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, yeah like because you wouldn't believe. The yeah. thing is, it is just focusing on Wham. We had a documentary, um, I think it was towards the end of last year, all about George Michael. This is on George, just, yeah. Yeah, this is just focusing on Wham, and it uses archival footage as well, so footage that um, people have not seen before. So we've got that Wham documentary. And then if you do listen to the podcast or you subscribe to the podcast, you'll get an extra movie, which is a horror movie called – hold on, I've got to get this right here. I've got to <laughs> – it's the weirdest word. Skinamarink. Right. <laughs> That's okay. what it is. It's all one word. Skinnamarink. Yes, Skinamarink. it's a horror movie um, about a young boy who is trapped in a house and realizes that there are no doors and windows. Oh, that sounds nasty. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. My, my worst nightmare. Absolutely. Oh my god. So sounds amazing. I am very, especially the Wham thing. Oh my god. Very looking forward to that. So thank you. Listen, you have a great week. Appreciate the reviews today. I'm queuing up for Indiana as we speak. Fantastic. Have you got your whip, um, though? That's the thing. Have you got your whip or are you wearing the hat? 
Let's just leave it there, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> what you do on a Saturday night, Spencer, is Listen, your own there's no concert. judgment on there's no judgment on this call, is there? There's no judgment. No, at all. Absolutely not. No. no. <laughs> oh dear. But funny, have you saying that I did see um some of the uh, the press footage just very quickly of of Harrison when he turned up. I think it was a London premiere, and just the the rows of people dressed up, which I thought was amazing. I loved it. It's just great, seeing isn't it. it. It's There's so great. much affection, isn't it? There? Oh, there so is. much affection. Yeah. So have a good weekend. I will see you next Saturday. Will do. Thanks, Spencer. You take care. Now remember, you're only supposed to listen to Phoenix FM if you want film reviews.